It's finally happened. We have a new CBA. So yeah, there's increases to the minimum salary and there's changes to the draft lottery and all of that. But which of this stuff is going to affect minor league players? Let's talk about it. You are locked on MLB prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. And what a good day it is because we woke up on a day and we've got baseball. It's back. We have a collective bargaining agreement. You're going to get a lot of coverage over the next couple of weeks from everybody in the Locked On Podcast Network about free agent signings, about trades. You're probably going to see me pop up on all kinds of channels because I'm talking about the prospects that get moved in deals. But today, I want to talk about the CBA. I want to talk about some of the things in there. We've all heard about uh, the minimum wages and the arbitration pool and stuff. I want to talk about some of the things that are going to affect minor leaguers. If there's a thing that you want to know about a minor league player, a facet of the CBA, anything like that, Go ahead, send your questions in. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We have a mailbag episode coming on Monday. So I will get to your questions over the weekend. We will answer your questions on Monday. But there's a couple things in the draft that are changing, or the draft in the CBA that are changing that will affect minor leaguers and players who are entering the minor leagues. And one of the big ones, kind of gave the lead there, uh, is the draft. So we are instituting, we, MLB is instituting a lottery for the draft. So the way this works is the first six picks will be lottery picks. The way that this is structured, um, the bottom six teams by record will get uh, entered into the lottery and they will have a chance to be drawn for the first pick. You will draw the first six picks. Um, And... The worse your record was, the better the chance you have of getting drawn, but it's not a guarantee. And the idea here is you can't intentionally tank your team just to get the number one overall pick. You may have the worst record in the league and get the sixth pick. And then there's going to be some rules in here about about how many times a team can pick in here. So if you're a small market team, you can only pick in here three times consecutively. If you're a large market team, you can only pick in the lottery twice consecutively. And then they move you to the end of it. So this is something that is going to affect players coming into the minor leagues. Uh, As far as where are they going to go, you're no longer, the incentive is not there if you're trying to be bad to get the first overall pick. You will still get a decent pick. And after two or three years of getting in the top six, depending on the size of your market and whether you're a revenue sharing team, you know, whatever, uh, you may get pushed farther back. And so the idea is this discourages tanking. So that is something that MLB needed to address. This is one limited way to do it. Um, and then along with this, they are instituting a new rule. I'm going to call it the Kumar Rocker rule. But what this rule is, is the top 300 draftable prospects will be invited to a combine. Uh, And at the combine, you can submit your medicals. If a player 
who submits their medicals as part of that top 300 is drafted by a major league baseball team. That team is required to give the player 75% of the slot value for that slot on the contract that they offer. And the idea here is the Kumar Rocker selection by the Mets last year. They take Kumar Rocker. They are going to tender him a contract. I believe it was close to a slot or above slot contract. Uh, medical results come back and they take issue with an arm MRI that they see. They don't like what it looks like. They dramatically cut the amount of the offer. They give Kumar Rocker. He declines the lower amount. He can't play college baseball this year, but he's no longer a draftable, like a, a draft eligible player. He has to sit out a year. I assume he's going to play indie ball, sit out a year, re-enter the draft. So this, what this does is this says, if you are willing to let us check you medical wise before the draft, we will guarantee you get at least 75%. Now, there's a couple facets of this you have to think about. One, I want to know who's defining the top 300 draftable players. Because now either you're farming this out to some other service, you know, you're using Baseball America or Prospectus or somebody, and I'm sure they don't want to be part of that. Or MLB is deciding unilaterally who gets this protection and who does not. So... And that's the question I have. I understand you have to have a safeguard there. You can't have a guy, and I assume this is their, their reasoning, you can't have a guy that probably wasn't going to be drafted or was going to be drafted very late, 19th, 20th round. There's only 20 rounds in the draft, by the way. Um, and let him submit his medicals, hoping that he gets, like if somebody picks him, they can't lowball him on an offer. They have to offer him 75% because that means he probably either wouldn't be drafted if he has college eligibility left or whatever. So I understand having a limitation in the system, but now I wonder about what happens to a player outside that top 300. How often are you going to see somebody outside that, that top 300 get drafted? He wasn't allowed to submit medicals and they find something later. So that is something that's, that's happening. Um, Definitely needs to be talked about. And then uh, with the draft lottery and with the 20-round draft is we are going to have a future decision on the international draft. You remember uh, probably seven weeks ago, six weeks ago, we had Jeff Paternostro on of Baseball Prospectus. We talked about the international draft or the international free agency system, and it's pretty awful. It is objectively a bad system. You have trainers going out there and getting kickbacks to steer 13 and 14 year olds to a specific um, organization, even though they can't sign until they're 16. These kids are entering contracts, verbal agreements way before they should be allowed to. So I absolutely get it. I understand wanting an international draft. A lot of the Latin American players are against the international draft. And the reason they are against the international draft is because they are worried that it hurts uh, players' earning potential. Uh, I would assume this international draft is going to be hard-slotted, meaning this is the value of every single pick. You do not have the ability to offer above or below that slot value because a domestic player, that's part of the calculus is how much do you offer this player? Because if it's a prep guy, then you usually have to go over slot 
to buy him out of a college commitment. If it's a college junior, you have to hit the slot or come somewhere near it because he could always go back for a senior year. And then the college seniors are the ones that are offered under slot, um, under slot bonuses because they're, they've used all their eligibility. You can do this. You can go to Indy ball. That's all you can do. So I would assume the international draft, if it happens, which they have until I believe, was it July 25th, June 25th to figure that out. If they do it, that's something you've got to do it hard slotted so that Major League Baseball teams do not have the ability to lowball or otherwise keep money away from an international player who would normally get it. So uh, they have some time to figure that out. And if the Players Association cannot come to a deal with MLB on the international draft by the middle of the summer, I think it's June 25th now I think about it, um, the qualifying offer pick compensation will come back. So if a player declines their qualifying offer, another team that signs them will owe a, will lose a draft pick for doing so. So there's an incentive there for, for the Players Association to get rid of that draft pick compensation as it does hold down the free agency market for those players. Or like we saw two years ago, you just see teams wait to sign players until after that, that conversation's ended. And now it's during the year and they're trying to come in after the fact and make up for lost time. So either way, not a great system needs to get fixed. In just a minute, I do want to tell you about a, an interesting system that they brought back for minor leaguers uh, that I'm worried MLB is going to abuse. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Uh, Built Bars are the protein bars that taste like candy bars. They may actually even be better than candy bars. They are better for you. Most Built Bars... 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, uh, low in sugar, low in net carbs. Um, they are covered in 1% real chocolate. They taste great. Um, and again, great for you. So tons of different flavors. You can go to built.com and check out all the flavors. White chocolate cookies and cream was last month's. I believe this month's is a some sort of shamrock flavor. You know, the St. Patrick's Day thing. Um They've got mint brownie, coconut almond, cherry barcia, peanut butter brownie, coconut, all that kind of stuff. So go to built.com, uh, check out all the flavors there, sign up for the mailing list. You get the info on the sales and, and the limited time flavors and all of that. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. So one of the things that they are bringing back now uh, it's been it's been out of baseball since 2007, but they're bringing back the concept of draft and follow. So what this is is a draft and follow was a player you would take usually in the later rounds of the draft. The MLB team did not intend to offer the player a contract immediately. A draft and follow was usually a junior college guy or a college player with a year of eligibility left. So your college juniors and things like that, and in essence, what would happen is you had just about a full year to decide whether or not to offer them a contract. The deadline to do so was relatively close to the next draft. So you had a chance to see them play for a year before you actually made the decision. And not a lot of people are talking about draft and following coming back. But the idea that like the way they changed this was in 2007 when they did the CBA and changed the amateur draft. They made it where the cutoff to sign a player was August 15th. 
So you didn't really have a lot of time. You had like two months to make a decision. Well, now that's been pushed back. Draft and follow is back. And so what you can do, you can sign that player or you can draft that player. You control their rights. They can play in summer ball. They can do fall ball on their campus. They can play winter ball. They can get into their spring season and be playing in their spring season. And you will have a cutoff date some point in time in that spring season. And I do not know the exact date that's in the CBA. I haven't seen the thing. Uh, it is sometime in the spring, though, as far as I understand. Uh, you have a date where either you have to tender that player a contract, and then obviously they have to agree, or they are going to, you are going to lose their rights and they are going to re-enter the draft the next year, which will be in a couple months from that point. And so the idea here is, like, okay, so originally we moved the date up to August 15th because you had issues where players did not know whether they would be going to school or going to professional baseball until, like, the day classes were starting. And so it was a problem for the players. It was a problem for the schools roster management, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's why it moved. But now the idea is teams will have a little bit longer to make these decisions. And the player has the potential, if they're a low round draft pick and they play really well in the spring, you don't necessarily have the pressure to take a low bonus because you can re-enter the draft Let's say you get picked in the 18th round and then you go out and you double your home run production. If you have a reason to, if you have a reason to believe you would go higher than the 18th round, then you could always try entering the draft, you know, declining the contract offer they offer you. They can't lowball you with the contract because you have the ability to skip that and go into the draft. Worst case scenario, you become that college senior who is a mid-round pick who gets low-balled on a bonus so they can go over slot on a prep guy or a, or a college junior or something. So I can't say that I love the concept of this simply because I like the idea of teams need to sign before classes in the fall, especially with the way college baseball is where you have 11.7 scholarships per entire college roster. It's not fair to the school. It's not fair to the player to let a player go through fall with their school and then in January offer them a contract. And now the team is all of a sudden out of scholarship or a partial scholarship and out of play right before the season starts. So I really think it should be, it should be revised. Um, I, I can't necessarily say this is a great change. To me, it feels like, and this is kind of emblematic of what we've seen in a lot of these negotiations where it felt like MLB was just trying to nickel and dime everything. At one point in time, some of the discussion around the, the, the competitive balance figure was teams wanted the stipends they gave to players at spring training. They wanted the uh, the extra bonuses that they got for, for the home run derby or the all-star game. They wanted that to count in the CBT figure. And it just seemed to be very, um, yeah, it, it just seemed to be very almost cheap and to me, bringing back draft and follow feels like something that, and again, not having the full information around the guardrails around, not having the exact date and things like that, it's it feels a little bit like you're just trying to offload some of the player development costs since you have less minor league teams now. 
trying to offload some of the player development costs onto a junior college, onto a, onto a uh, university where they're going to be there, they're going to train there, and then you can decide if you want them or not later. That school has now paid for all of their summer and fall um, weight room and food and all of that stuff. And so I can't say I love the decision to bring back the draft and follow, but you have to admit kind of is on brand for MLB as far as how, um, as far as how they do stuff, just kind of nickel and diamond there. So can't say I love it, but I absolutely get it. It's there. And in just a minute, I want to talk about some of the things MLB actually did to discourage service time manipulation and get guy get more guys into MLB. Oh. But first, today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Uh, this is the time of the year. College basketball's tournament is on. It is going. Um, so we listened to this on Friday. The SEC tournament is in full swing, I believe. Um, this is the this will be the third day of games. The ACC just did theirs. We've got all the co- major conferences doing their tournaments right now. And then this upcoming Sunday is Selection Sunday. So uh, from all the latest odds, contests, player props, betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And it remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. It's not just basketball. That's what we're talking about in March. But BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagered information, live betting, favorite biggest casino games, obviously other sports, hockey, NBA. They should have MLB lines coming out pretty soon now that we have a season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because bet online is where the game starts. So there's a few things that they've put into, um, into this system to try to prevent service time manipulation. The first thing is there is draft pick inducements. So if you bring a guy up on opening day and they hit a certain performance evaluation, you know, they, they, they get to be a finalist or a top vote getter for one of these awards, you can actually receive an additional draft pick for having them up on opening day. Um, the player themselves that if they, um, if they win Rookie of the Year or Cy Young or MVP or whatever, they actually get a full year of service time. So like Jonathan India last year, probably like he's going to be the last player who's going to win Rookie of the Year and not get an additional year of service time, which means he won't hit free agency a year earlier. He won't hit arbitration a year earlier. But definitely a thing where we are, you know, where they're trying to find ways to reward players and teams. The pre-arbitration bonus pool, that's what this is. This pool, which... $50 million. This is pool for players who hit certain performance milestones, you know, and again, rookie of the year, Cy Young votes, MVP votes. Chris Bryant's the poster shot of what this is for. Chris Bryant came up, finished the year one day short of the service time he needed for a full year, but he was rookie of the year. And I think it was two years later, he was an MVP and couldn't even go to arbitration yet. And so he is the kind of player this is designed for. If you if you you can earn additional compensation, and the NFL has an idea like this already, where they can take players who outperform their contracts and they're on rookie deals, and they can receive bonus pay at the end of the season. Same idea here. If you're below that three-year mark for arbitration, you can receive extra money from this pool. And then something else that also is not being talked about a lot, but I really do love 
what it's going to do for the minor leaguers is the way you're handling options. So right now, you have three options. And what the option is, is in this season, we have the ability to bring you from AAA to the major, or for the minors, to the majors, and then send you back to the minors without having to put you through waivers. So we can take an extra pitcher. We can call a double-A AA or triple-A pitcher up, let him start, and then send him back down to the minors. And you can do that. You could do that as many times as you wanted in a season with just the bare minimum of restrictions. I believe the restriction in place was when they went down, they had to be down for a certain number of days. Um, but like for the like you could bring it, you could you could have brought a guy up, let him play that one day, sent him back down, brought him back up a week and a half later, started played him one day, sent him back down, and just did that all season. You could just sh- shuffle that 26th roster spot between seven or eight or ten different guys from the farm and just bring them all up for a day or two. Pitchers usually is what that would happen to a starting pitcher. You can think of, you know, as a guy who would come up, start once or twice, go back down. Now the rule is you can uh, a player can only be optioned to the minor leagues in a season five times. So you still have the three major league options. And in like the major league option, the way that works is for that season, you can move him back and forth. But what they're saying is, right, and you get three seasons where you can move him back and forth. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. still has like two options left because he came up and pretty much never left. But what they're saying is, rather than in that season being able to move him up and down as many times as you want, you can move him down up to five times. After that fifth time you move him down, you will be he will be out of like you will hit the limit and you have to expose him to waivers, meaning some other team can claim him and keep them as their own. They, they assume the contract and all of that. And the idea here is if you're going to call a guy up, call a guy up, let him stay, let him play. Don't shuttle him back and forth. And the teams that do this a lot are the teams who have a triple A site somewhere near their major league site. I think about the post job for me is Atlanta. Atlanta has Gwinnett. The Gwinnett Stripers are a 45-minute drive or two and a half hours, depending on what time of day you're going. But it's within 30 miles, 40 miles of the ballpark. And so you can just send a guy back and forth over and over and over again because there was no restriction on it. He was down the road. It was convenient to just let him come up. And they would have guys who would play on a Thursday, play a day game at AAA on a Thursday, get called up, and start a day game on Friday for the big league team, and then go back down and play a game on Saturday for the minor league team. And now the rule is if you're going to bring him up, you got to bring him up. And you can't shuttle him back and forth too much, or else you risk losing them to the waiver system. So – this is something where I think that and possible unintended consequences here. We don't necessarily know exactly what this is going to look like now, but my first thought process is you may see less speculative ads where you bring a guy up for 10 games or five games or so here or there 
because you know that once you do that, you only have a certain number of times you can use him. Like you're not just going to bring a guy up to play occasionally. If you bring him up, you're going to bring him up to play almost every day, or he's going to start on a regular schedule. So I think it may actually delay call-ups a little bit, but I think the other consequence of this is once you see guys get called up, they're going to stay up. You're not going to see guys shuttled back and forth too much. You may see something where they bring a guy up, he waits for a couple, uh, he, he spends a little bit of time. When he struggles, they might send him back down to work on stuff and then bring him back up, keep him up in MLB for a while. But you're going to kind of eliminate that shuttle of just sending guys back and forth willy-nilly. So overall, probably a good change. We need to see more in action to see how teams are going to handle this. If you have questions about the CBA, what it does to the minor leagues, about specific players, uh, minor league teams, anything you want to know, uh, send those to us. I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We have a mailbag episode coming out on Monday. I want to answer all your questions about players, about, um, about teams, about how the CBA is going to change things, all of that. So send that to us. Um, next week's going to be a great week. We're talking to our friends from the Padres. We're talking to our friends from the Astros. We're doing another college ball. We're going to be talking to, uh, to the host of Locked On Volunteers about the University of Tennessee's amazing start to the season and some of their draftable guys. Uh, lots of good stuff on the show next week. But until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.